Oh, we're episode. doing a podcast, bro. We're doing a podcast. Wanna make that paper? Wanna make that What's up, everybody? This is Josh coming to you with another episode of the Affiliate Marketing Show. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to stay up to date on all the latest affiliate marketing news, tips, and trends. I'm Josh from OfferVault.com, the industry's largest aggregator of affiliate networks, affiliate offers, and all things affiliate program related. We also have the industry legend, Harrison Gewurz, joining us live from LeedsCon. And our special guest today, Alexi Shmonov, the founder and CEO of Market Call. What's up, Alexi? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you, Josh. Very good to see you guys in your Appreciate- podcast. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Welcome to a live from a trade show podcast. We'll see how this goes, Alexi. I'm happy that you're our guest, though. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, Harrison, Harrison, it's working. Just make sure you talk loud. That's all you got to do. This is cool, though. So, uh, Alexi, should I call you Alex or Alexi? What do you prefer, just so I know? Alex, you can say that. All right, we'll go with Alex then. So, Alex, I know you were at. You you know, I can do the boss (laughs) all. Yeah. This is not marketing related, but more so just a selfish question I wanted to talk to you about. I know you went to Burning Man uh, just a few weeks yeah. ago, and it was all up in the news for protesters blocking the one road to get in, creating a crazy line to get into the festival. Then once you're at the, uh, I don't know, festival, you can tell me if that's the proper way to refer to it. Um, once you're at the Burning Man experience, it pours, turning it into a desert mud pit. Uh, I saw a ton of pictures and, you know, it seemed like people were making the best of it, saying it was one of the best experiences they ever had. I think I saw on your Instagram, it may have been your first burn, if I'm not mistaken, but I'd love to hear about your experience on just the whole thing in general, as well as getting in what the whole weather situation was like and just kind of the the highs and lows of the experience for you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the question, George. And it's really interesting. A lot of my friends just asking, how are you? How did you survive? And I just, one hour before the inter- our podcast, I just chatted with my friend and he said, oh, it was the worst burning man in, in, my, in my life and I probably will never come again. So I said, why? For me, it was like the best burning man, but it was only my first burning man at all. <laughs> and I really like it. And I, you know, visited finally because... I heard a lot about Burning Man. I heard a lot of good things. I heard a lot of bad things. Like, and uh, I really can't realize that it's really so cool. So it's damn crazy city. Like seventy thousand people live inside the desert, and uh, it's so nice. So definitely, I will be back in the next year. I hope if they will not close the festival. <laughs> after yes. All this tell tell me a little bit about the whole weather situation because it it looked like. People were basically walking around in mud, like up to their ankles, like shoes were getting stuck in the ground. Well, first, um, uh, I think first four days, it was amazing weather around 80s during the day, maybe 90. But I could, I know previous year it was like 110 d- dust and everything else. So for us, first, first four days, it was amazing weather. So night, day, it doesn't matter. So you can go, you can make photos, interact, dancing and Something happened, you know, on Thursday. So um, weather completely changed. So I think afternoon it started rainy, 
and then rain, 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 like for at least eight hours. And uh, basically, uh, people just, you know, you're, you have to drive like, your bike or something else, and they just forgot it in the mud, <laughs> boot it, and just go ahead. And yeah, it's changed, but a lot of people were really upset because um, basically, can you imagine if on one of your uh, you know legs you wear like at least I think six pounds of mud, <laughs> so yeah. on both legs you're wearing like ten to fifteen pounds of mud, and it's really hard to 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 go with. <laughs> it's hard to dance. It's hard to dance. So were you were you like stuck once that happened, or like what? How did you deal with the situation? And I have to ask because I this is like my nightmare. Were you sleeping in a tent? No, no. Yeah, we have air. air luckily, yeah. <laughs> in a tent, I th I think it was like a nightmare because we have some tents in our camp, and really people ask to you know. Uh, to go inside the RVs because it's really like I think at least ten inches of rain probably, and because it's uh, like uh, mud and uh, you know water is doesn't. If, for example, in California, Florida, like everything else in, in the United States, it's a couple of hours since everything has disappeared. Here, it's like you have to wait a couple of days, even for small after the small rain. Oh, because it doesn't dry because it's just mud. It doesn't. It doesn't dry. And even worse, if, uh, you know, some cars, some decide to escape on first day and they completely destroy the roads. Even service cars, uh, when they <laughs> have to serve, you know, like restrooms, uh, get, what does it do? Gas service, like bring wo fresh water and pick up gray water so they can serve total commu community. And uh, I saw this. RVs and cars, they're really stuck, you know, between the dessert. Like even, uh, even I think some Dodge Rams, they stuck as well. Some of them lost their wheels. And uh, I think first two days, it was really dangerous to escape from the festival. And official, officially, they told that the uh, uh, gate is closed, you can escape, you can go, nobody can pick up you outside the Burning Man. But um, what we have to do, first of all, we have to enjoy like first two days. Uh, we spend time with friends, we spend time in a ring and just to go to the man. It was funny. Of course, we were completely wet. Uh, <laughs> mud was inside of me, you know. Yeah, I have a feeling if you go back, you're going to get some better weather next time. I've always thought about going. It seems like a really cool experience. But you know, yeah, I just... We start to use trash bags from Costco. Yeah. White bags that you have to use in, in the kitchen. And we, <laughs> we put it on our shoes and it works perfect. Yeah. For, you got to adapt, man. That's problem solving 101 right there. And the next the next day, a lot of guys just do the same. They start yeah. to use trash, trash bags. So you started the trend, huh? Yeah, we started this trend. And nice. uh, the, internet, like the internet made it seem like nobody had any food and like, I saw one article. I knew I knew it was fake, but it was like there was people that were gonna be eating other people. I was like, "This is hilarious!" <laughs> I oh. saw it and started laughing. I'm sure you heard about. That. Yeah, I published a bunch of stories in my Instagram as well, and you know, they all people just relax it, uh, dance it, whatever. So nobody care really about the food and everything else. Uh, some of guys that just knock our door in RV and. Uh, 
Yeah, we share our food, no problem. So we have a lot. I think all other guys doing doing the same. So I think share something is a great idea. But anyway, you can find a lot of food in the, uh, around the festival, like some camps sharing in. But I, I really heard about some concerns from vegans because uh, vegan food is really limited. That's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, um, camps. The simple about... solution is just to go eat meat, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's the simple solution by uh, guys complaining, why we don't have enough vegan food? What I'm going to do? I'm going to. But to be honest, it's just once I heard this. Alexi, uh, you know, the real reason I brought you on today is because uh, you and your company, Market Call, is a leader in the industry and especially in the call space. So I want to kind of transition towards the paper call side of things here. I'm curious, you know, more so when market call started, I know you guys were kind of new back in 2018 and just five years later, like I was saying, I really see you guys. And I think a lot of people in the industry see you guys as a, a leader in the industry for what you guys are doing. So I'm just curious, like, how do you go from beginner to leader in five years, which, you know, to some people might seem like a while, but to others might seem like a really short period of time. So how'd you make that, you know, ascension to the top that you did? <laughs> Good question. For, for me, this five years, like 20 years, I think. <laughs> you know, what's happened for five years? Basically, it started uh, for me in 2015 when I decided to participate in Green Card Lottery. Basically, you know that I'm born in Russia. And in 2015, I decided to participate in this lottery. Next year, I, I realized that I won it. And then finally, by the end of 2017, I moved to, United, to the United States. And by this time, I also have a lead generation business in Russia, which is also called like Market Call. Yeah, I also do some lead generation and uh, paper in paper call industry, we mostly works with real estate and a little different background as well. And uh, yeah, these five years <laughs> were really challenging for me, for my company, team you know all COVID issues what we face it um i remember my first trade show it was in uh 2018 and <laughs> the, what i really understand after after that that market is completely different than russian market and europe market and uh different verticals different approach angles uh completely different mindset mindset what, what i would like to say and then we started to try and find out our, you know, verticals, what we can do. By 2020, I mean, we can found like uh, our main vertical is uh, travel. And you know what's happened with travel in February, in March of 2020. <laughs> I remember like our revenue dropped in a month, like to 96% probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah wow yeah so so how'd you guys, the how'd you guys it... from that diversify your verticals <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask how'd you guys adapt like what was your strategy to kind of pivot when that happened with covid where'd you guys kind of turn to and how'd you make it happen yeah we tried to look to other verticals and can find some opportunity within insurance verticals like auto insurance health insurance aca uh yeah and you know 
hopefully and luckily for us uh digital marketing is just you know blow up at this time <laughs> in these verticals and uh we start to do business start to um, i mean mostly mostly focus it uh, in insurance verticals start to grow these verticals and then try other verticals because we are already long our lesson that <laughs> you have to diversify your business. <laughs> Finally, we we start to work with, I think now we have around 10 different verticals, but most, I think, popular within uh, the industries that we use. We are. Do you um, think the COVID effect is like behind us? Do you see travel is kind of starting to make a comeback? I'm sure it's not quite yes, like yes, where I it think, was. Uh, I think uh, it uh, when it was. Uh, it, I think it's before. stronger than from before, actually, Josh. But I'm yes. curious what you yes. think. Harrison, you are exactly right. It's stronger than before, and commissions are higher, and uh, payouts are higher as well uh, for affiliates. I think it started to come back like since May, May maybe July, June of 2020, to be honest. So some crazy people decide to travel <laughs> by this time, and. Uh, Completely, I think it came back by 2021. So this summer 2021, I think officially we have the same volume as before. I mean, yeah, like, you know, I, as a consumer, I see the demand of travel is crazy. Like everything's sold out. Every flight is full. Like it's it's back to what it was before COVID plus some. So yeah. It's pretty crazy. That's for yeah, sure. even even flight to Vegas from LA, you... Sometimes you can find, you know, free seats <laughs> on airplanes. So yeah, it's it's crazy. And prices, you know, like skyrocketed. I think previously you can fly to New York like for 100, 200 now, just sometimes 500 to just to one-way flight. Yeah. Alex, what do you think is like the biggest verticals in the paper call space for this time of year, like going into the fall, the early winter, what do you think is hot right now? And what should uh, affiliates and publishers kind of be looking out for and getting ready for going into this time of year? Yeah. Good, good question, Josh. It's good timing <laughs> exactly right now for insurance, Medicare and ACA, of course, I think next like three, three months. Yeah. It's, it's going to be rough. So most profits, you know, can be made by this time. So now, do you do you guys have to adjust anything like internally on your end at like the network level that kind of helps you get ready for that influx of traffic with those specific verticals, or is it kind of business as usual? Of course, no. It's like a special period for us, uh, almost like Black Friday for e-commerce. <laughs> it's like the Super Bowl of Super Bowl. Yeah, call. Yeah, it's yeah. coming up. You you have to be ready. You have to buy beer, you know, <laughs> sandwiches, hot dogs, <laughs> you know, have so, enough amount so, of bank accounts and credit lines. So, <laughs> Do you guys yeah. actually do anything different though? Is it like longer work days or do you do any kind of training beforehand with the team to get them ready? Or are they like always ready because it's kind of the same people from last year and they know what to expect? I, yeah, probably as they know what to expect. It's not our first year with insurance space but yeah obviously they gonna work like i think 10 to 12 hours at least for these days can you talk can you talk to me a little bit about the internal media buying team at market call how you guys work with solo affiliates as well as um existing teams in terms of the media buying that you guys do yes um 
In general media buying team, it's one of our keys, I think, to success in this industry because it's very important for advertisers, you know, to maintain good quality and uh, lower CPA and everything else. So, uh, of course, inter internal media buying team, it's very important for our business. So since uh, I think 2020, we decided to create our media buying team and start to hire buyers. We hire individual buyers and sometimes we hire uh, teams for that. And um, yeah, as I, as I said, it's really you know important so if 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 i'm a, an affiliate that has some profitable campaigns but i don't have the cash flow in the bank account to maybe scale those campaigns up how do i work with you to help me uh on that yeah well i think last time i think a couple last years so initially we started this business when we you know our affiliates start to chat with us and explain the situations as hey man i have some campaigns, but I don't have money. Can you help with that? So we start to establish partnership with such affiliates or affiliate teams and uh, do like factoring for them or financing, invest. We also provide some, um, like not on, no, not, I mean, at materials, we provide some, um, for example, Facebook accounts, ad, agent accounts, which is really popular right now because a lot of struggling with Facebook or TikTok or Google stuff. Yeah, so it's kind of partnership between Market Co and affiliates. Yeah, we really help them. I'm curious why you, why did you decide to add that you know area to your business in 2020? Was it related to COVID and everything that happened at that time, or did it was it more of a coincidence and you were kind of looking to was do it? it anyways. Did, did that kind of bring you an opportunity to further diversify the business because you had affiliates that maybe had other campaigns and stuff? I think for both reasons. So, from one hand, we, uh, we have affiliates uh, who is doing, for example, different verticals that we are doing right now, but he needs some money. And from other side, uh, other hand, so we need to in invest, like we're investing money basically in helping affiliate to, you know, instead of five figures and doing five figures per month, doing six figures per month or even seven figures per month revenue. Yeah, one of the things you mentioned to me was uh, how Market Call is now a part of the uh, Inc. 5000 list. And I'm just curious, how does one get on a list like that? Is it? Yeah, what really was just... the process like? What What do you have to show them? Oh, yeah, you have to sign up on Inc. 5000 website, which is really simple. And then uh, you have to pay, I think, some fee. It's around for early bears is around 500 or 600 maybe later like 800 and then you have to verify your revenue for as they compare for example uh, 20, uh in this year they compare revenue in 2019 with revenue in 2022 so yeah they're very by they verifying it by audio so you send them like a balance oh they have an auditor actually wow yeah, it's, it's got it has to be uh, audited, yeah, by uh, certified CPA or auditors. Yeah, so you can send like random numbers, <laughs> you're going to be disqualified for that. Alex, a lot of times we uh, we talk about AI on this podcast quite a bit, but we actually haven't spoken about it a lot. But when we were talking about topics for this episode, you mentioned how you guys use AI to help with the QA process 
of the calls that you work with. So I'm curious, you know, big picture, what does that actually look like in a real world example for, for someone watching this episode right now? And then I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are with AI and its potential positive or negative effect in the affiliate space, as well as the, the paper call space specifically. So how are you actually working with AI in terms of the QA process with calls? Yes, we use AI, especially for QA process, as you mentioned, because now you can listen, you can hear AI, you know, everywhere, like Apple presentation, Google presentation, everybody just speaking about AI, starting to put in crypto AI and everything else. So for what is really makes sense for us, it's using it during the uh quality assurance processes because previously we use like uh offshore centers you uh, offshore uh offshore uh, so outsources uh, for us like listening some calls we need to understand the quality of the calls for example for our internal calls or affiliate calls and how we can improve the quality now we can just simple uh use ai and in a couple of minutes we can receive like transcription first of all transcription and then we can uh, understand this uh, receive the summa summarized of the call summary of the call so for example that uh, this buyer would like to buy something by but he can because it was price was too high for him or they can't find a tickets for that reason but so you can uh, do some you know find some insights for example why you did not offer this buyer something else why I did not offer like lower price or maybe it's completely root agent on the line or something like, like that. Yeah. And in, in that case, it's for us, it's really helpful because um, we are doing quality assurance like every day for our campaigns. And it's very important for advertisers. It's like uh, help help us to, you know, maintain like long-term. When, when, when your QA finds a buyer, let's say, has a really rude agent on the phone, and that's why this, they're claiming the quality is bad, then you listen to these calls and you're like, hey, these buyers are not, you know, these agents aren't being kind to the customer. Are your buyers receptive to that feedback or do they push back? It depends. It depends from the buyer. You know, uh, some very, uh, because if the buyer really realizes that he left money on the table, yes. Right. <laughs> I think for small companies, they really, you know, reaction is pretty fast. But for big companies, it may take, take a while, yeah, for them to understand the situation. So Harrison, I'm curious, is Ringba incorporating any type of like AI into their processes right now? Or is that something that you guys haven't really had to do at this point? I'm hesitant to use the term AI. Um, you know, we have our predictive routing technology, which essentially determines the most profitable place to send a call. Some people may consider that AI. I believe it is. But I think in general, my my opinion on a lot of like the hype of AI these days, like ChatGPT, etc., is that a lot of it's more of a machine learning algorithm, not actual AI. But I think as technology progresses, we're going to see more and more crazy shit. Alex, what are your thoughts on uh, AI? Kind of part two of the question from before. What are your thoughts on AI in the affiliate space in general, as well as paper call? Like, for example, do you think? There's people in the industry that need to worry about losing their jobs, maybe more so on the creative side of things. Or do you really only see this as like a net positive for the space, making us and our businesses more productive? 
I think for affiliates, it's a really great opportunity because now previously you have to have like big team to manage all the process. And now even a standalone affiliate, you know, he can create uh, videos, add materials, photos, even voice with AI and text. So opportunity looks like <laughs> an ocean. For, for... I will give affiliates some advice. If you're going to use ChatGPT to write your sponsors, like write your creatives or you know your ads and stuff, uh, edit them so it sounds like a human. I played a little trick on a friend. I sent him an email and I just ChatGPT'd it completely. And he literally texted me and said, bro, are you that lazy that you use ChatGPT <laughs> to write the email? And I went, I was just testing it but you're not wrong i did use chat gpt to write the email yeah sometimes even my school teacher you know answered me like that <laughs> but if i was in school i would chat gpt the shit out of that homework 100 i don't even they'd be like the chat gpt is like what's that i don't know i wrote it but yes you're right uh unfortunately now they check everything and how, they, how, how do you did it? And uh, they now have even uh, chat GPT checker and anti chat GPT checker. So you can re rewrite chat GPT, you know, to, pre <laughs> to proceed the check. But how you really can use it for right now, for example, uh, um, we do advertisement not only in English language, but in Spanish. And it's also a great opportunity right now uh, to use Spanish. And for example, you need to translate your video ad materials to Spanish and even change voice uh, actor of voice actor like to, to Spanish instead of English and now we have some great products that we can use and like in a couple of seconds you can change it Harrison I'm just thinking this is the first time we have someone on the floor at a trade show during a podcast so I wanted to know can you be our beat reporter what's going on at LeedsCon Chicago right now what's been going on the past you know, days since you got in. Well, what's we going are, on on the floor? Give us, give us the dirty details. All right. Live from a trade show. I'm gonna pick up the laptop in a second. Do a little circle. Our screen just stopped, so I'm gonna wait for the graphic to reload. I see a team member fixing it. See, okay, good. Back, I breath is here. Um, we are at the luxurious next to the airport conference center. Some dining options in this neighborhood are the International House of Pancakes, Panda Express, and Taco Bell. So you can live moss if you need to. Uh, the audience here is it's not a bad we're getting a pretty medium-sized crowd here uh the uh -huh. show is this is a first time show and this is our new kind of some graphics that we have on ring there's a ring the logo in the middle there but my screen doesn't want to pick it up fortunately um but we have you know we support these trade shows and this is a first time event for LeedsCon. they had the LeedsCon east event like in boston years ago and they discontinued that after covid um and this is kind of their them resurrecting the this is them bringing it back again i guess you could say and um we like this show i think this show has potential i really hope they maybe move it back to um like not middle of nowhere it's airport but downtown chicago would be way cooler <laughs> um but overall pretty good show for sure um and and i think you know there's a lot of potential here our team's enjoying it we have a bunch of clients here and uh like I said, the only negative is like where we are physically. This location is not my favorite. Been a good show for sure. And I'm glad that I was able to do this successfully from, from a trade show. It's kind of cool. We're going to do like a live podcast from a show one day where it's like really planned out. Have the guest, 
like you know like a like a news show it's gonna be awesome one of these trade shows maybe affiliate summit list alex i, I got one before I think on Affiliate Summit West. We tried, but it didn't really work. Oh, that's fine. Alex, I got one more question for you before we let you get out of here. Um, you know, Harrison at Ringba, they're doing this whole crazy video board at the show, and it just got me thinking, what's like Market Call's approach to trade shows these days as well as sponsoring? What do you sponsor? How big do you go with the booth? Um, or do you find... It's in your opinion and for what you're going after, it's it's not so much worth the investment in that. And you guys kind of take a different approach. I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer. I'm just kind of curious what you guys kind of take in terms of the approach to trade shows and branding and things like that. I think that all trade shows are a great opportunity for company to do branding, find new clients and meet uh, current partners. And we are participating, I think, in every show. Have you ever seen our booth in Litzcon? Harrison. Yeah, you got yeah. you do some good branding, man. Yeah, we so. we just started with the screens now, so you'll see us in some new trade shows shortly. We kind of we've gone a little, we've gone hard. I'm really proud of this. You can't, unfortunately, it's so bright in the middle there, where like where the sun is. I guess yeah, we can say. imagine there's it. Like, yeah, there's a logo good. there. I'm getting really yeah, heavy. These are like get, phones, phones, phones. I know. Yeah, I'm getting very is... heavy, uh, heavy Miami vibes from this backdrop right now with the, the what is that, an old Ferrari maybe? But Alex, for people that haven't seen your booth at LeedsCon, what do you guys typically do? Typically, I think uh, on LeedsCon, we're promoting our debt internal offers, ACA offers, and Medicare for the season. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the affiliate marketing show. Harrison, thank you for joining us live from LeedsCon, the beat reporter. We trust you and we love the information you bring to us on the floor. For myself, Josh from OfferVault.com, the industry legend Harrison Gewurz, and CEO and founder of Market Call, Alexei Shmonov. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the affiliate marketing show. We will see you next time, everybody. Take care. Show.